the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I hear this song and I Slay think it's no falling. Doesn't that give you that feel in your mind of snow falling? It's the way it, it, it works. Because we are getting closer and closer uh, to Christmas. And my family will gather together and exchange presents and whatnot. Absolutely. It's going to happen. And, uh, hey, we were all together uh, back in uh, for Thanksgiving, and then we were together again this last weekend because my son came over from Oklahoma. So uh, I had um, two sons, my daughter, two of my daughters, my grandson and uh, my son-in-law. We were all together, and we were all having a great time. And everybody is fine. We're all doing just peachy. So like everybody likes to say. Super so. spreader event. Yeah. Well, like, <laughs> you know, I go out, I... I wear my mask when I go to Walmart and whatnot. Those are people I don't know. I don't know who they've been around. I know they are. I know, you know, that if you're a member of my family, if you knew that you had been, uh, you know, around somebody who had COVID, you wouldn't show up. You would think. You wouldn't be there. You would think. (laughs) We all talk about it. So, you know. My daughter has been quarantined one time. She's she works over at HR at the Air Force Base, and she and she said, you know, they had somebody who came in and they turned out to be positive, and they all had to stay at home for a week. My next door neighbor was home over the Thanksgiving holiday for two weeks. Of course, that was right before they changed the quarantine period, so she right. was fourteen days. And about the time she told me about hers, I realized my across-the-street neighbors, who are school teachers, who are never home because they're always out doing whatever, and he's a coach. Right. And all of a sudden, I realized he was home. Sure enough, one of his football players had been, and he was home. So people in my neighborhood have been quarantined. Nobody's sick. What I think is interesting about it is, you ha- and, and look, I'm not a- against if you want to stay home. I'm just not. I don't think the federal government should be telling you to stay home. In the beginning, I really believed all the things they were telling us and, you know, that it was so highly, this this virus is so highly contagious. You know, it's on every surface and it's in the air and it's in everybody and everybody's going to infect you. Now that we know the numbers, I'm with you. I just don't. I'm going to try to help protect certain people sure and i don't want to you know if i'm going to be possibly around older people well, I, sure I, you want to wear a mask i appreciate you you're wearing your hazmat suit coming in here knowing that i'm 67 years old <laughs> well but we're sort of almost six feet apart here. that's a joke okay she's not in a hazmat suit people believe her thing i saved uh, like that when yeah, you I, should be watching you can see when you listen on. know that i'm making jokes at times i mean it goes back to when i i worked with uh uh, Big Dave, and I knew that he was coming in to replace somebody, and I had everybody believing that 
the person who was coming in. <laughs> do you remember this? When I, I do. had everybody thinking that he was a midget. You would have loved this, Heidi. This. You would have loved this. <laughs> I do remember this. I literally t- kept telling him because I had sound effects of hammers and stuff going on. <laughs> and I, I said, they're rearranging the studio. I said, I don't know how I'm going to do the because show. Of the- <laughs> but they had they they've got like you've seen. I said you, you you've seen the the wheelchair ramps. They got ramps like that all over the studio so that he can reach the microphone. <laughs> you height shamer. And you. a lot of yeah, a lot of I I probably couldn't get away with it now. Probably a lot not. of people uh, believed believed it that he was like going to be just like they believed that the ter- that uh, the the president at that time Bush was going to <laughs> was going to. Uh, paint the White House black so that the terrorists couldn't find it at nighttime. <laughs> oh, that, that sounds made, like a fake that, news story. Well, that that made, sounds just it like made, I forget what paper in Australia it was, but that made their paper. Oh, my gosh. They published that story. It was funny. That was one of my better, uh, what was it, um, April Fool's jokes. <laughs> I did. Those those are the kinds of stories we're going to get from the hard hitting liberal uh, mainstream media here, starting before long, if oh, we haven't sure. already. We're going to get hard hitting journalism like that. You know, my favorite was when I I had Jerry Tucker and Heidi. You know who Jerry Tucker is? Jerry Tucker is uh, does production at the former station I used to be at, <laughs> and he made the statement. Or I made the statement on the air. I I had Jerry call in, and he does a really good uh, kind of, high, as I call it, highfalutin Eastern College liberal. <laughs> and I had him come on, and he was defending that the government was going to begin taxing you for the number of steps you took from your car to work. And uh, they were going to tax everybody for that so they could build more sidewalks yeah so they'd have more people that they could tax and i opened the phones up <laughs> for people to call in and talk to this this guy from i i gave it some pseudo uh liberal sounding name uh for a government agency you know they make those things up all the time i'm i'm, I'm waiting to see what they call Beto's. <sighs> one that when he gets out and starts going after the guns but anyway uh we had people believe in that and yeah. they were just raising hell about it and and, <laughs> and rightly so if it'd been true been right now there was a little bit of truth in it and i let everybody know it was april fool's day of course but uh there was a law being passed in california where they were actually looking to tax how much you walked on the sidewalks i remember and then i of course i i um would play taxman by the beatles because there's a line in taxman says to, you know watch them because they'll tax your feet and uh, the beatles were not as liberal back in the 60s as a lot of people think liberal on some social issues but when it came to money issues not as liberal as people think Back I mean, then. Yeah, listen, you listen to the tax man. It that's not, you know, pro taxation by any stretch of imagination. I'm a big fan of Paul McCartney. And yeah. not so much anymore, but I was for many, many, many years. And I ran across a quote, a recent quote, just the other day, and he said 
the one, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but the one thing about having a lot of money, I get to use it to help my friends. Yeah. And I thought, you know, that's a cool statement. That's a cool statement. I get some help from. No, yeah, yeah, I get. No, but yeah. he did. He said, I yeah. get to help my friends. Well, you know, speaking I get to help about people. the Beatles. John Lennon died. Was it 83? That he sure. was that he I'm was thinking uh, 80. Yeah, it might it might have been 80, but he was shot four times in front of the Manhattan. I know that. Done. Done. And, yeah. Uh, that talent right away from us. And uh, he 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 died. What was that? Was that 80? I'm also, looking. I'm looking. Hold on. I got it right here. It's coming up. Also today, and I'm sure you've seen the 1980. news. 1980. 1980. Yeah. Mhm. I remember the date pretty pretty strongly. Mm-hmm. It's pretty upsetting. Yeah. Um Today in the news, Chuck Yeager. Yeah, the man who broke the sound barrier. And what I saw on Twitter, it said "R.I.P. Chuck Yeager." Clear skies ahead. Yep, pretty cool. Ninety-seven years old. 90. I didn't realize he was still alive. He was ninety-seven years 95. old. So, you know, yeah, it, a lot of people, and I thank everybody who sent me things on Facebook. I got a nice little letter yesterday uh, from the lieutenant governor. I got uh, a hit from uh, Ben Gilmore, all saying that they had just heard about my brother and were were sharing their condolences. And I've met some people, and they go, man, you don't seem really shook up by it. And I said, he was 82. You know, he, he lived a good life. My brother... If you think that I'm radical, <laughs> if you think I don't put up with the crap that comes out of Washington and here, you know, from. Uh, did your brother bring yeah. you up right? <laughs> and my dad did. And your dad. And my brother was uh, just like I am. You know, he spoke his mind. And I'm really, you know, I'll miss that. Here's what I'll really miss. And it probably will hit me the most on Christmas Day because my brother always called me on christmas day and i always called don on christmas day we all talked to each other on christmas day um, because we always were together on christmas until my mother passed and then we tried to pick out a day during the course of the year a weekend that we could all travel to one of our homes and get together and now that's over with and that that's kind of a a difficult thing to deal with you know, it's how I feel about my father when he passed. There was so, for so many years, there was so many times that I was hashing something in my head and I was wishing I could pick up the phone. At that time, it was landline still, that I could pick up the phone and, and talk to my father about it. Man who had a third grade education but was the smartest guy I ever knew. If any of you folks out there are listening, I feel the same way. My dad's been gone since 2000, and I never really talked a lot of politics with him because I was too young, younger. Yeah. And I have so many times, I know my dad was a pretty strong conservative, but I never really heard him talk a lot. He would answer. He would. He didn't expound. He would answer and talk to people, but he didn't go around expounding all the time. Right. And I so regret that I didn't speak to him more about it. Um, we hear a lot about families that do not get along because of politics. But there's probably a lot of people that need to talk with their family about politics, and they're going to find out that things are a lot more similar 
maybe than they ever thought. Yeah, they thought. Do yeah. it now. Do it now. Do it now. Don't my, wait. I found this out just a few years ago. My mother called my brothers into her bedside. And she knew she was pa- going to pass and wanted to talk to them and said, you listen to your brother, Dave. He knows what he's talking about. Which really kind of struck me odd because <laughs> I never talked politics with my mother. How interesting. But she listened father, to you. With my father, I did. You know, with yeah. my father, I did. Uh, I mean, every night when I was growing up, uh, conversation amongst the family at the kitchen table, because this is when families ate together. Yes. Now, tr- not trying Without to, a television or a phone. Not trying to av- avoid each other. Yeah, you didn't call my house. No, not our house during either. dinner time. Everybody phone wasn't allowed to be answered. Time, yeah, yeah, that's the way we couldn't were. Answer the phone. Yeah, <laughs> you had a, a a switch you could flip, and it would turn off the ringer. And my, yeah, we didn't even do that. It was just ring. You weren't allowed to answer so, it. <laughs> uh, Dad would always ask what we had heard at school that day, what they what we were talking about, and uh, if you had a political belief, that was fine, but you better be able to defend it. You know, my dad, we we had the same thing. My sister and I at the dinner table when we were young, something might come up and he would say, okay, what do you think about that? What do you think about that? What did school, what yeah. did you learn in school? And he would make us, you know, talk about it. Yeah, you had to. <laughs> Debate it. <laughs> I, I did that up until a few years ago with my, with my kids mm-hmm. when they were still living at home. I don't do it so much with my grandkids because most of them I don't see often enough to really talk to them about certain things uh but you know with eli i'm with eli all the time so grand he, he's I'm, gonna hear it granddad's here and giving it for him you know pop's giving it for him well even at our house now not that we have grandkids often but there's a basket and that's where the phone goes and you're not allowed to bring it to the dinner table that's good you know that's a good thing it it's really just is not, it's it, a good thing if you're it a makes family, you talk to each other to golly. all of you should be sitting at the dinner table and enjoying breaking bread breaking together, bread together but and talking to each other. All right. We've got more coming your way here on the Dave Ellswick Show. That's coming on because I've been looking over and Heidi's been giving me the, Moving here he on. goes again. Shut up. <laughs> so I have to take a break. I'm sorry, Heidi. I'm sorry. That's her job. That's what she's supposed to do. You know, that's exactly what she's supposed to do. You know, the worst thing that can happen to you is you got a house. You're wanting to sell it, and you know you're going to sell it, right? It's it's the market's hot. How, houses are going to be sold, and then you you get ready to sell your house, and because you're so convinced that it's going to sell, you go buy another one at the same time. So now you got two mortgages you got to handle, uh, like Joe and uh, Paula right here in Little Rock. For over a year, uh, they dealt with two different agents. The stress was mounting because they had already moved into a new home and now they were paying two mortgages. I I know several people that this has happened to. They uh, contacted uh, Dustin Turner who shared his aggressive marketing strategy and recommendations for selling their home. Once their home listed, there were multiple viewings and the plan worked. Within a few weeks, they received an offer for the full asking price and that's the way you want this to work you want it to work that way for you You want to get your money you don't want to be paying two mortgages so get you know the real estate agent that can get that done for you and that is of course 
uh, Dustin Turner with the home team brokered by EXP Realty. They can give you an instant cash offer if you'd like that without the large hidden fees. No risk to you. Dustin will let you out of the contract at any time. Here's my thing. When I talk about people on the air, it's because I know what they stand for and I know they can deliver. So call the only agent I would call and who I will be calling sometime next year if I need it to sell my home. And that's uh, Dustin Turner. Call Dustin Turner today, 501-952-2969. That's 501-952-2969. Or go online to hometeamsoldit.com. That's hometeamsoldit.com. And then you can start packing. You know, it costs nothing to be on Dustin's instant home notification list when your dream home hits the market. But it will cost you time, money, and cause frustration to miss out on your dream home. All right, we got more coming your way. Elizabeth is here with us this hour. Next hour is the Bible, guys. Then Elizabeth will come back uh, with us. Matt Smith's going to be on for a few minutes. There's a fundraiser going on I want him to tell you about. And then at the bottom of the, uh, of the 6 o'clock hour, it's going to be uh, James Ballou from Toy Trooper. All right, so anyway, I you know, I just, this whole thing about uh, COVID, I'm not as freaked out as a lot of people. I'm not freaked out about my 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 brother dying at you know at 82. It'd been different if he died when he's 15 or something like that. But he was 82 years old, and the Bible's very clear that unto every man it's prescribed that you're going to die. We come into the world alone, and we're going to go out alone. That's yep. the way it works here. But you know this deal with COVID, I. It, I've not heard anyone say, all right, in the beginning it was, what, 15 days to slow the spread. It appears to me that the government wants zero transmission. There's no way to do that. And that's not possible. I mean, if that was the case, we've been doing that during flu season, wouldn't we? Exactly. Thank you. And even when Hutchinson, our governor, was on the news a day or so ago, he had on a face mask and it says Project Zero. Now, I'm not sure what that was about. Possible. But that is not technically legal, not legally, not technically scientifically possible. Yeah. We have no immunity. It is a virus. I am really beginning to get very upset with this constant Drum gaslighting beat. and lying and telling us one beat. thing when it's something else. And yeah. they wonder why people are getting angry and they well, wonder why people are protesting all in the streets in California. You can't even go out on the street and take a walk legally in california right now this is insane yeah i agree don't disagree with you at all now we should be protecting Big people stuff who need that's to going be protected or all the sheriffs that are ter- telling exactly. Newsom that they will not go bust people over you know people coming over to their houses rightly so rightly so and i was listening yesterday and again early this morning on the news this uh pub i think it is in new york oh Max, yeah boy that's that's Come, the fellow was on soon. last night. These guys came after him. Do we need a break? Yeah, we got to take a break. <laughs> I saw the finger. Yeah, <laughs> Stop. Now, got a question for you. I've talked about this in the past. And uh, there's been a lot of different organizations that have drawn our attention uh, to the misuse of fraud and abuse in our federal government. 
And you always hear there's no fraud and abuse in the government, just like they say about the state government and all the rest. I mean, uh, Lieutenant Governor Tim Griffin has said for uh, for many years now there's all kinds of fraud, waste, and abuse. And Adam joins us today from OpenTheBooks.com. You need to go check this website out. And there's been several stories that have come out here recently of, uh, you know, dead people, people that are in prison, people that shouldn't be getting government money, that are getting government money. And our government is literally wasting, in a, in a decade, let's just talk in a decade's worth, over a trillion dollars. Is that correct, Adam? Well, it is, Dave. Thank you very much for having me on your program and your interest in our work. Here's what our auditors found. We found that since 2004... The 20 largest federal agencies administering the biggest federal programs have admitted to $2.3 trillion worth of improper and mistaken payments that went out the door. Now, last year, Dave, it was $175 billion. What that means, it was $15 billion a month, a half billion dollars a day, and a million dollars a minute that the bureaucrats wasted on improper and mistaken payments. Well, the bottom line is the bigger government gets, the more waste government will make. Absolutely. And your largest programs waste the most money. So Medicaid and Medicare, let's just take two, those two programs. Back in 2012, their improper payments were $65 billion. By 2017, those payments had risen to about $80 billion. Last year, Medicaid and Medicare admit that $103 billion were mistakenly and improperly paid. Now, the left wants Medicare for all. They want to expand that program to replace private health insurance eventually. Are you kidding me? It's institutionalized incompetence. Yeah, and it it happens. It happens a lot, and it's been happening for a a long time. I forget uh, the senator uh, that had his... uh, his famous uh, award that he gave out every year. I can't think of his name right off the top of my head. That, Proxmire. That, yeah, there you go. That, uh, that, that showed this, and it was like everybody just kind of shrugged their shoulders like, yeah, but if we need more money, we'll just take it out of the taxpayer's hide. Well, our honorary chairman was the former legendary U.S. Senator from Oklahoma, Dr. Tom Coburn. And Coburn actually moved the ball on a lot of these issues, and we're carrying up that mantle. Uh, Coburn, unfortunately, he passed in March. Uh, For example, on these improper payments, we found that the 20 largest federal agencies admit that a billion dollars was improperly paid to dead people last year. So people that had retired... Uh, for instance, in the bureaucracy, federal employees, they still receive their annuity payments when they're dead. People on Medicaid, Social Security, and even dead farmers were still sent money after a death certificate was on file at the federal agency. So that now, must, over the that, course of the last Adam, four that years... Must, that must be the same people that were voting. <laughs> that's right. I'm just over saying. the course of the last four years, $3 billion dollars the agencies admit to was paid out to dead people man all right so i'm sitting here there's there's a place they can go on your website open called where's the pork mapping <laughs> out 2.3 trillion in federal grants here on open the books now this is stuff that's 
you know, you know, open information for people to look at that don't have the time to go find it. You found it for them and you present it to them so they can see how their government is wasting their tax, you know, their tax money. So, look, you know, we everybody in 2016, Bernie Sanders, Donald Trump, they ran on eerily similar themes that the system's rigged and it's rigged for the benefit of insiders. And at OpenTheBooks.com, Dave, we show you exactly how bad it is. For example, Cornell University, they were given a grant for a million dollars for a study where it hurts the most to be stung by a bee. Okay. I can tell you it uh, it hurts pretty bad wherever you're stung by a bee. (laughs) (laughs) I can tell you the the spot that it hurts the most. I read the study. Of course, the study uh, won awards. Uh, You know, the big spenders, they always hand themselves awards on the worst pieces of pork. So the place where it hurts the most is actually the nostril. Really? Well, if a, bee flies, says. if a bee flies up your nose, it's going to bother you just as much as if the bird of paradise flies up your nose. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> here's, here's another grant. So NASA, the space agency, they doled out a million dollars to uh, prepare the nation's religions for the discovery of extraterrestrial life. Okay. All right. That's interesting. <laughs> Health and Health and Human Services, they doled out $1.4 million uh, to uh, California prostitutes for sex education. And, and look, those folks could probably have taught the class. Yeah, they, prob- <laughs> yeah, they probably could have, to done, have done that. And, and, and it's things like that that should drive taxpayers uh, wacky. I mean, I remember the one a few years ago where they had the shrimp on the... Uh, uh, the turn, the, what is it? The on the treadmill. little treadmills. Yeah, they had little treadmills, and they were, had them running on little treadmills. And I'm going, you, they spent several million dollars for that. And I'm going, you got to be kidding me. But they so that program ran for, I think, six, seven, or eight years. We took a look at it. We actually put the big number in the Wall Street Journal a couple of years ago. We wrote an open letter to President Donald Trump, Dr. Coburn and I, and our chairman, Thomas W. Smith. It was signed off on by about 150 on the, on the center right of the most influential politicians, thought leaders, former ambassadors, governors, members of Congress, U.S. senators, uh, and in one of the examples, and we put a hundred examples on the facing page to the letter. One of those examples was that shrimp on the treadmill. Treadmill, <laughs> and I, I believe the total figure over six or seven years was was uh, north of ten million dollars wasted on that program. Amazing, and it was going to a university. They were making the money off of it. That's right, and they defended that program every step of the way, and the federal agency kept funding it. It was absolutely maddening. Now, Coburn, I mean, he had a lot of victories, uh, you know, especially on the duplication of federal services. That's led to hundreds of billions of dollars worth of federal consolidation. And let me tell you, Dave, there's, there's more work necessary, but Coburn laid down the track for all of us to run on. All right, so what should my listeners do if we want to make sure that this type of stuff, there's not, there's not going to be any way to stop it completely just because of how big government is and how many people get money so that they deliver votes to politicians. So what's the best thing that 
my listeners can do? Well, they need to raise their voice. I'm going to give you two examples. One is they need to get behind a Senate bill. It's a bipartisan bill from the U.S. Senator in Delaware, Carper, the Democrat, and Kennedy in in, uh, Louisiana, the Republican. What they have tried to do is clean the rolls of the Social Security Administration. Incredibly, there are 6 million active Social Security numbers of people aged 112 and over. They can't get the rolls cleaned. There's only 40 of those people alive in the entire world. Last year, Social Security admits to overpaying $8 billion of our money to uh, recipients. Uh, So this bill, they're trying to force Social Security with legislation to clean the rules, and everybody needs to get behind that bill. Here's Here's the problem. It hasn't even moved in the Senate at all. So that's number one. Number two is we need to laud leadership like Betsy DeVos over at the Department of Education in 2018. And we brought a little bit of heat to the department. Uh, They had $6 billion worth of overpaid student loans and Pell Grants. Last year, it was the best turnaround of any federal agency. They were able to rein in 85% of those improper payments. They cut it down to a billion dollars, and they win the award for the best turnaround. So we do need to recognize DeVos over at Education for a great story. So, all right, so what's the uh, Senate bill number? Do you know? Uh, the Senate bill number is in our report. I'm, uh, I'm trying to get the bill number right now. Okay. It is uh, uh, Senate, it's Carper and Casper, Senate bill. Um, I'm just not coming up with the That's Senate bill. Right. Uh, here it is. I got it. Okay. I got it. It's uh, um, Senate bill S-439. 439, SB 439. That's that's actually the one that would allow Congress to opt out of their pensions. Okay. Um, Hold on. So that's that's not the right one. So the Senate bill on education that would make the big difference, or on Social Security Administration, it's Senate Bill 1333, Stopping Improper Payments to Deceased People Act. Uh, And it's in in cleaning the rolls is in that that bill as well. Well, it's... It's amazing to me they've got that many people sitting on their rolls that are that age, and they don't even know if they're alive or they're dead. But that's what happens when you have a big government program. It's just what it 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 goes along with all this, and this is the stuff Reagan talked about all the time. Well, you're exactly right. So it was the Grace Commission, right. W. Uh, uh, you know, Grace, uh, he he identified through this blue ribbon panel that 30 cents on every dollar back in 1982 was either the result of waste, fraud, corruption, abuse or duplication. One out of every three dollars was misspent, he found. And today, after all these decades later of nobody watching the books and institutionalized incompetence, nobody thinks the problem's any better. No, we're, we're talking. It's like what. uh Dirksen used to say a few million dollars here and a few million dollars there. Now we're talking real money. Now it's a few (laughs) trillion dollars here and a few trillion dollars there. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger. Adam, we appreciate you coming on today. Openthebooks.com is a website. Go take a a look at it. And... uh, But before you do it, take a couple of Tums, because I'm going to tell you, you're going to have a really bad attack of, uh, you know, acid indigestion. You really are. Thanks, Adam, and thank you for what your what your organization does. Thank you, Dave. Thanks for the opportunity to be on the program. Sure thing. Thanks so much for calling in. All right. 
to something you need to be informed about. You, you know, need to know. He We've made a it. point. If you want to, if you want to cut back the spending, Betsy DeVos did it. Yeah, it's all a matter of political will. And read what the press wants to say about Betsy DeVos. Yeah, I don't care what the press has uh, to say about much of anything. I know. I agree with that as well. <laughs> uh, they're looking for healthy volunteers for that COVID nineteen vaccine clinical research study. Still, uh, the study is now enrolling. So get involved. It's been enrolling for a few weeks now. If you want to help research an investigational vaccine for COVID-19, I think this is AstraZeneca is who it is, yep. uh, by participating in this trial, uh, you will have access to no-cost study-related care. You also will have the opportunity to help advance COVID-19 research. There's no insurance required to take part. If you're an adult and you're in good or stable health, you can probably qualify. If you're interested in learning more, call 501-954-7822. That's 501-954-7822. Or go on the internet to C, C, the letter C, uh, 19vaccinestudy.com to see if you're eligible. That's 501-954-7822 or C19vaccinestudy.com. All right. We've got a little segment left here before we get the Bible guys in. They're starting to show up now, so i got to bring them on. They're chomping at the bit. I can't tell them we're not going to do it. Go home. (laughs) It won't won't work. So uh, (laughs) they'll be on with us. The 10th, if I'm not mistaken. Billy, just shake shake your head yes or no. Hanukkah begins on the 10th, does it not? Did he hear me? He can't hear you. He didn't hear me. Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Hanukkah starts Thursday, if I'm not mistaken. So we will be talking about that. And, uh, and Jubilee? I, I understood that uh, uh, Scott gave quite the sermon this last Sunday about Hanukkah. So I want to talk to him about that. Uh, I also brought up to you, I want to talk to him about uh, uh, do you need to be you know planted in the ground or can you be cremated? You know, is there a biblical argument against cremation? All the study I've done, no. I don't think there's any, you know, thing saying that you can't be cremated. A prohibition? No. no I don't, I, at least I haven't. I'll, I'll talk to Scott and Billy about it. Steve won't be here today because he's working. He had to go in early He's been today. working a lot. Yeah, Having to work a lot. They're doing yeah. a lot with the... Uh, the C-130s, you yeah. know, and teaching new people that are coming in and need to be brought up to date as far as being load masters and stuff like that. So he's doing that type of stuff. And Important work. When that's it, when when it's Uncle Sugar signing your paycheck, you show up when Uncle Sugar says show up. Bigger paycheck than here, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I can't make that kind of a paycheck for him. I can tell you that much as far as that goes on. All right, so uh, we're, we're going to get to them next hour here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Elizabeth is here. Uh, I thought what Adam had for us for OpenTheBooks.com was pretty interesting. Oh, it's interesting, and it's maddening. It's just maddening. You know, one of the – I've said this for a long time. We have a problem in our country, and it's because we are so big. It it enables so much graft. It enables so many things to be that's overlooked. That's why, in all honesty, that's why – as government grows, yes, freedom shrinks. That's right. Because now they got a reason to say, well, 
you can't do that anymore because we know that that wastes money. So you yeah. can't do it anymore we can while they're money. wasting it all the time. Well, even the COVID payments that went out this past spring, and I don't remember now the number, but it was astronomical that went out to people that don't even live in our country. I mean, come on. How can you be this? We can send men to the moon, but we can't clean up. This also reminds me of the voter rolls, but we can't clean up uh, Social Security rolls. That. We can't clean up the voter rolls. I'm sorry, it has to do with political will, and there isn't any. And we, the people, need to make that change. It's on our backs. Why are people on election commissions if they're not going to do their jobs? Well, again, it's on our backs because we're not making those people be accountable. We are letting them get away with it. I will say that here in Pulaski County with Evelyn and some of the other folks that are now. Christy. Yeah, that are there. uh, They're at least trying, but they are. And they're, they're they're being attacked. They're going up, you know, upstream against the against the stream, and it's it's a problem. They're going upstream against a judge, and I warned everybody about this. Don't put another Democrat in the judgeship, and they did. Pulaski County judge is a Democrat. You're correct. Yeah, I mean, I know that. I, you this know. is going on all over the state, and we don't have time for it. But the Democrat judges in our state who are not comfortable <laughs> with the fact that the Republicans are in charge, basically. Are holding the purse strings and, and holding be it over even us more in charge. Oh yeah, after January. Oh yeah, that's coming. That's Everything's going to flip if we don't stop this steal. Yeah, I mean it's it's really it's something that you got to keep in mind. I mean Arkansas was kind of you know we were red but we weren't conservative red. That's going to be starting happening after January. I think our incoming legislature is going to show a little more conservatism. If you're out there listening, that's a good thing. That means grassroots conservatism. We've got a lot of good lawmakers coming on board. Talked with one of our local ones last night. Who did you talk to? State Senator, sorry, State Representative elect or representative now, David Ray. Okay. He's in my area, you know. Yep. I'm staying in touch. This is something you need to do, people. You need to get to know your local state rep and state senator personally. And talk you, with them. You have to get in touch with them and ask them where they stand. That's get, right. Get and them back on, them up. Get them on record with you. Uh, I would say write a letter to the newspaper and say, I talked to so-and-so, and and here's what he had to say. Yesterday, we were talking about uh, hate crime legislation, and we were also talking about red flag laws. And during the show, I I sent, we know where the governor stands. Oh, yeah. I I sent a letter or a text to uh, the lieutenant governor, and he said, absolutely not on both issues. Well, we don't need another set of hate crime laws. That's a whole nother conversation. We don't have time, Dave. Well, we'll be ba- have you back here in the final hour. I'll let you go relax a little bit during this next hour. Bible Guys are next. If you have a question, you can still send it in. BibleGuys at SalemLR.com.
Second hour of a Tuesday. You know what that means. I let them in here. <laughs> the Bible guys are here. They're ready to take your questions. We had a couple of questions that were sent to us. The phone line is open, 823-0965. If you want to ask questions at that time, you're uh, well to, to do that also. I've got a question uh, for Steve. I've already told him. Oh, not Steve. Steve. Scott. And, Do you uh, really yeah. think that no, Steve and you, I look alike? you didn't alike. even look alike, and not I don't know why I did all. that. Just, Somebody just got seriously out. insulted. I'm not sure which yes. one of I'm you. I'm working but. on the offense that I feel right now. <laughs> I'm working on it in my heart. Okay, so, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Good I'm morning, Dave. Because it is I'm the doing, season of I miracles. I will do a, po- <laughs> a, a public apology. <laughs> I am so sorry, Scott, that I, I called you Steve. Thank you, sir. I I will forgive you and I will release you. Because, see, if you're making an apology according to the, you know, the justice warriors out there, Mm. you've got to name what you did wrong in your apology or it's not. If I just said, I'm sorry, that's That's not not enough. enough. Right. So I am saying that I I refer to you as Steve. I will will forgive you and release you from uh, the offense (laughs) that you caused. I I appreciate that. I am now free. All right, well, the first thing I'd like you to talk about, and uh, one of our questions dealt with this because they said you taught on it mm. this last weekend at uh, over at Agape, and mm. that is Hanukkah is starting on Thursday night. That's correct, starting on the 10th. Uh, yeah, so um, uh, the uh, well, there's a couple of ways we can talk about the whole uh, Hanukkah story, but I think the most important thing for Christians is to see that Jesus celebrated Hanukkah. Right. It's important that people understand that are Gentiles, but are part of the the you know the vine mm-hmm. because of what we believe in in Jesus Christ is to understand that it isn't uh, it isn't Jewish Christmas. Right, it's <laughs> correct. It is not Jewish Christmas. Right. I'm going to go ahead and pull this um, pull that verse up because I think mo- most people may not have any idea what I'm talking about when I say that Jesus celebrated uh, Hanukkah. Um, right. Let's see. It's um, in um, it's in John chapter ten and okay. verse number twenty-two, uh, and um, it says, "Then ha- then came Hanukkah, and it was winter in Jerusalem. Yeshua was walking in the temple around Solomon's colonnade, and the Judean leaders surrounded him, saying, How long will you hold us in suspense? If you're in the Messiah.'" tell us outright now this translation this is called the tree of life version and that's why it mentions yeshua and hanukkah most of your translations will say the feast of dedication and the the word dedication in hebrew is hanukkah okay so it's the same thing so we have jesus celebrating the feast of hanukkah so our as believers and our job is to follow jesus um we need to ask ourselves well have we followed him into uh, hanukkah and the thing that's important about this also is jesus said i don't do anything Unless I see my right. father do it. Right. So Jesus is doing what he saw his father do, which means his father must also be honoring Hanukkah. And if it's important to the father and important to Jesus, then you know it's important to the Holy Ghost. So why is it insignificant to the church? Okay. So it's, it's a big question, really. And, and when you think also that uh, the Bible, the Gospels give us, the, the, our best theologians will tell us, our, the, the Gospels only give us 17 days. 17, some say 18 days of the life of Jesus out of three and a half years of ministry. So the Holy Spirit then is going to, and that's about that's about one and a half percent of his entire ministry. 
And John tells us, if everything Jesus did was written down, the books of the world could not contain everything. So the Holy Ghost is going to lift out only 17 days of Jesus' life. You must think they're pretty important. You must think they're important. And this 17 days is enough food spiritually to feed the body of Messiah for two, three, four, five thousand years, however long we have to wait. And And the Holy Ghost chooses Hanukkah? As one of these thing, one of these days to tell us about, so it it really elevates the importance of it to a really high uh, a really high status. Well, it tells you that it's important because they mention it, right, right, right. right. and and I don't think anybody would be surprised. Just jump in here, Billy, whenever you want to. I don't mean yeah, to dominate. I'm good. Carry on. You know, you know the the Old Testament doesn't mention Han- doesn't mention Hanukkah, so um, this is something that and nobody would be surprised if Jesus fulfilled the scripture no one is surprised right. if he walked out the law in its nth detail but what should be surprising is this thing isn't mentioned in the law it's not mentioned in the the prophets or the writings yet jesus still honors it so it it really is something that should grab the attention uh, of the um of the believer and uh, and to and to pursue the knowledge of that so the the story is uh is is twofold uh, one, it's the um, it's this, known as the season of miracles. Hanukkah happened originally on December twenty fifth. Okay, it's called the Festival of Lights. Right, they give gifts at this particular time, uh, and uh, and they celebrate with um, special foods. Now, if I just said to you, December twenty fifth, Festival of Lights, lights on uh, on uh, uh, candles lit lit everywhere, gift giving, special foods. If you're just a regular, it's Christmas. It's Christmas. That's right. That's, <laughs> so, a, a lot of what we have at Christmas, we we took from uh, uh, the celebration of Hanukkah. And uh, as a matter of fact, most people don't know this, but when our nation was originally founded, Hanukkah was encouraged. Christmas was illegal. Right. Yeah, the Puritans and, didn't like Christmas in, in the beginning. Yeah, but, not, not not just didn't like it, made it illegal. <laughs> okay. I mean, that's that's but, how much they didn't like but, it. But so. so so ingrained in our culture was Hanukkah. Um, in 1802, this is part of my sermon on Sunday, so that's why it's kind of hot on my top of my head. But in 1802, we established the first military academy, West Point. Right. We become a nation officially in 1783. That's uh, 1781. We have the last battle at Yorktown, defeat the British. We don't become a nation until 1783. So we're talking 19 years later, we established the military college at West Point, And there's a, a row of statues put up called the Nine Worthies. And it's nine military leaders that this academy is going to be studying, right? Well, of these nine statues, guess who one of them is? A guy named Judah Maccabee. And Judah Maccabee, is all, his life is about Hanukkah. Right. Yeah, he's the guy that built, it on, built their, uh, their fortress on top of a mountain, correct? Um, Made it difficult for the Romans to come up. Well, he he definitely led the. Uh, yeah, yeah, he was the leader of the uh, of the insurgents that got rid of the um, uh, the Seleucid Empire, uh, okay. Antiochus, all this. So, so the whole point is this: nineteen years after the establishment of our of our nation, this guy Judah Maccabee, who his who again, he's a the main part of the story of Hanukkah, was so important to our founding fathers that they make a statue of him and stick it at West Point. Right. But right beside him is a statue of Joshua and a statue of King David. So think about this. Three great warriors right there. Yeah, yeah. And everybody in the church knows about King David. Everybody in the church knows about Joshua. Who in the world has yeah. ever heard about Judah Maccabee, Judah in, Maccabee. Uh, in the church? 
but our founders pilgrims knew, knew about him they did the, the puritans knew about him good well and, and and even um I, we're gonna have to say 130 years at this point uh even 130 years ago because the when you talk about hanukkah most christians point of view is well that's not biblical uh, and the thing I have to tell you is that until 130 years ago, yes, it was because Maccabees was in your Bible until 130 years ago. Right. Uh, it was a part of the King James Bible. Uh, and then they began trying to pare down the King James Bible to make it easier to publish, to make it more widely distributed. And one mm-hmm. of the things they said was, well, everybody owns a copy of Maccabees anyway. They're all so, going to be reading it. Yeah, so what, They're so all going to read it. So we'll just take it out of the uh, out of there and, and leave it as its own book. And then we immediately lost it right. somehow within the church. And it, But at the same time, even though they say it's not biblical, it's right there in John it chapter is. 10. It's there. <laughs> we just don't recognize it as such. Because it says no. dedication. It doesn't because it say. says dedication. So uh, m- moving on. So... Then, um, have you ever seen that particular, um, uh, that original crest of the United States that says, um, rebellion to tyrant is obedience to God? Yes. Well, they took that from um, the, the Maccabee story. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, our national motto, in God we trust, comes from the story of the Maccabees. Because Judah Maccabee went through Israel trying to rally people, and his cry was, all those who trust in God follow me or join me and the people's response was in god we trust and he said then you come so we took the response to the maccabean cry and made that our national motto and the church world by and large has no idea what this is all about and but our founders knew it right. so much so it's on our money even to this uh this very day boy you know the leftists still want to get rid of this <laughs> yeah of course so yeah, that's why we talk about that so we need another Maccabean move. And the word Maccabee actually means hammer. Their, the real, hammer. their real name was Hasmonean. That was Judah's real last name last name. But but they were known as the hammer. So I think we need another we need some hammers to rise up in the church. And we need the hammers to pound on the pulpits of America uh during this time to restore us back to our battle cry in God we trust. All right. So when we come back There's more of the story. Yeah, we'll hear the rest. (laughs) The rest of the story. As they do on television, to be continued. Yes. We will talk about it here on the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM. The answer, don't forget about uh, my good friends over PI Roofing. They will take good care of your roof. Uh, They'll make sure that it keeps the water out, that it doesn't let uh, water get into your home, which can destroy a lot of stuff even before you know there's a leak And just because the leak may be at the crown of the house doesn't mean it's dripping straight down. It may hit a beam and end up running all over the underside of your roof and showing up uh, maybe in a bedroom or a bathroom on the backside of the house, and the leak starts in the front of the house. It works that way. That's the way water does. It follows the path of least uh, resistance. So keep that in mind. It will cause... uh, you know, mold to form. It uh, destroys the wood on the top of your house. It destroys the insulation in your house. It can destroy the drywall in your house. So go with the company that will keep that from happening. Uh, Stop leaks before they even start because they'll get up and walk on your roof and they'll see the weak places that a leak could be beginning. A a leak, a, a leak, let's just talk about it. It gets through the the shingles, through the felt, through the wood, 
uh, through your insulation and then to your drywall. So that tells you how many steps I just went through. It took all of those steps for you to see it inside. You don't want to see it inside. You want to take care of it, you know, before it happens. And the folks at PI Roofing are good at identifying that. That's why they call themselves the roof leak detectives and taking care of that. They're also following all the COVID-19 protocols. So that keeps your family safe, keeps their workers safe, and, uh, you know, everybody comes out ahead on that. So call them, 707-3551, 707-3551, or you can visit them online at piroofing.com. All right, so we've got uh, Hanukkah. Yeah. All right, you've told us how it came to be. Mm. What's the miracle thing? Right. Well, the um, the miracle that happened, obviously what we just talked about before is more or less the kind of the geopolitical thing where it was um, it was a, a, a victory. Um, actually, Jewish tradition says you're not allowed to celebrate a military, military victory. victory. Mm-hmm. So, but the question then is, then why was Jesus celebrating? Right. So, <laughs> so really, it's 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 looked at more as as a um, a miracle of God's deliverance, much like Egypt. So it's not so much I'm celebrating a military, a, a military victory. We're looking behind that and saying God supernaturally brought a miracle about and supernaturally delivered us. But not just that. There's something special he did in the uh, in the temple. And since I took most of the last hour, I'll pitch it over to Billy to, <laughs> to talk about the. So when it came time to um, to relight the candles, to relight the. Uh, I'm sorry. Let me just go ahead and say. So so basically, Judah Maccabee defeated the Greeks. Right. And when they defeated the Greeks, they got the temple back. Right. And when they got the temple back, it had been desecrated, and they needed to quote rededicate it. And that's where the word so, Hanukkah right. comes from. So where does okay. when in in John when it says he was at the feast of dedication, uh, why are we using the word dedication there? So the temple had been defiled, uh, and as a result, it needed to be uh, rededicated to God, uh, and that required some things. And one of the things that it required is the holy oil, the the anointed oil that would be used um, to to light the lights inside um, the temple. This oil takes uh, eight days to make. It, it, it has to go through a whole process. There's there's very little in Judaism that doesn't require a process of some sort. Right. And uh, this this oil takes time to to create um, to to do the dedication for it to, to make it holy oil fit for service. And the problem is that when they um, started looking around, uh, we, we want to light the lights right now, uh, but we don't have the oil. And what what they did find was one pot of oil, a pot of oil that would burn in the uh, lighting the lights for a single day. So we've got a problem in that we've got one day's worth of oil, but we, we've got an eight-day process that needs to take place between now and the time when we'll have new, new oil. Now, a rational mind might have said, okay, then we'll wait seven days and light the fires in seven days while we're working on the oil. Um but that's not what they chose to do. They said, we'll step out in faith here and light the lights now and let the rest be on God. And the oil that should have burned, tradition says that the oil that should have burned for a single day actually burned the entire eight days while they were rededicating and, and getting the new oil ready um, to go into service. So that is the the reason we call it lights. Uh, the reason is the festival of lights is that, that we had miraculous light that happened here. The reason we call it the feast of Dedication is because that's exactly what was happening. We were in the process of rededicating the temple. Uh, it was just this miraculous moment where God once again stepped into the scene and said, this is all about me, and I got this. Don't worry yeah. about it. 
So, um, in so we recognize at this time of year that once again, um, God's provision was uh, far greater than man's inadequacy. Yeah, and um, uh, adding to that, there was uh, because it was such a great celebration, the Festival of Lights. They used to have. Um, that was the original one. This God supernaturally caused the light to last until they had enough oil to keep the, the perpetual light going. Mm-hmm. But in the time of Jesus, this it, it had so developed that they used to have these giant um, menorahs or uh, Hanukkahs, right. these giant menorahs that were in the temple complex, and they would light them up, and they would and they were so um, bright all this light that they lit up the entire city of Jerusalem for eight days. Wow. And, yeah. And so they, and they became so, they were so bright. They became, they be, they uh, became known as the light of the world. Right. So the the cool thing about that. So where did it, Jesus get yeah, that whole idea? Right. So right? when he says, I'm the light of the world, he's referring back to the feast of Hanukkah saying what you perceive to be the light of the world. That's really me. And it, and we all know this. If Jesus was actually born at, at Sukkot, which is in September, then he was conceived at Hanukkah. Right. His it, so really, what we're doing is we're celebrating the conception of the light of the world being uh, not being the, conceived. Not the birth, but the conception. Yeah. Which gives me a whole new argument against abortion. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. When did, when did he become the light of the world at conception? At yeah. conception. Yeah. So that tells me that's life. Yeah. Yep. And I, with, with my church, I, I on Sunday I actually went through. We saw I saw I showed them the whole the whole cycle where John was uh, conceived when his father was in the temple, and, right. and Zachariah was doing this at the feast of Pentecost, which is in June. And then the Bible actually says, in her sixth month, she met with Mary, and the angel Gabriel told Mary after he had spoken to her, he said, "Your cousin Elizabeth is now in her sixth month." So. So six month is happening at the end of December, which is the feast of Hanukkah, which right. is when Mary conceived. So really, we're celebrating the uh, the actual um, conception of Jesus, where the light of the world came into into being. So what a great thing to do! All right, so we're getting ready to get our break uh, for the for rush. Uh, let me ask one last question: uh, Is is the rabbi having his? Uh start this sunday night like he always does do you know oh, the the Lubavitcher, yeah um you know i haven't heard anything about no, it this I, year. I wonder if the code has changed that i don't you know it's a good question i've not heard a thing about that but he would be doing it on thursday night yeah um, you guys have a big hanukkah uh, you know menorah over at you know, the church we we have one inside but um it's about six about i guess five five and a half feet tall so it's not anything like what they have down at the at the the bank on the corner there at uh, shackleford um but um we celebrate Hanukkah individually at our in our homes, and I would just encourage people: uh, if this is your first time understanding Hanukkah, listen, l- light a candle on Thursday and talk about the miracles of God. All right, we got Rush. Let's get to him. We come back. We'll talk more. I got another question, and uh, we got another two questions. One of them should probably take some time to answer. That's coming up. All right. So, do you know this phone number? You should by now. Five zero one two four six. 3655. Let me give it to you again. 501-246-3655. That is the number for Eric Coleman at Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. You need to get a hold of Eric now. I mean, what is today? Today's the 8th now. So we're like uh, 17 days away from Christmas. If you want to get a special piece of jewelry made specifically for the person that you're getting it for and you need 
Eric to design it for you and do the 3D uh, you know, wax casting and all of that, I would say you got to the end of the week to call him and, and get it underway, or it's just not going to be ready by Christmas time. And why would you know? Nah, I don't want to. I don't want to put it that way. I, I just want you to know if you really want something unique, so that if it, whether it's a necklace, whether it's a bracelet, whether it's a ring, um, a brooch. You know, I asked Eric if they even made brooches, and he said, "Yeah, Dave. What they do is they make the brooch." And then at the ends, they attach to chain, which makes it into a necklace. And these brooches are beautiful works of art. And uh, and Eric does all of that kind of stuff. So I'm doing, just going to tell you, call him before the end of the week. 501-246-3655 and get your order in with uh, Eric Homan at 3000 Cavanaugh Boulevard here in Little Rock at Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. All right, so... Let's uh, let's move on here. Now we got the Bible, guys. Here, I don't want to waste any more time, uh, and it wasn't a waste. It's information needed to know. But you you understand what I'm saying? Uh, a question that has come up amongst my Christian friends. All right, and they and they look. I'm not a preacher. I went to seminary for a couple of years, but I'm not a preacher by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't get involved uh, in that aspect of it. I took the what I thought were the talents God had given me and took it out to the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what what I wanted to do, and I've been doing it now for fifty years. Amen. What can I say? So the the, the bottom line is, is this: they're asking. Look, I don't want to spend thousands of dollars on on a funeral, and. You know, look, I can tell you, it's difficult right now. My brother died, was uh, a week ago Monday, yesterday, and they're just finally getting things settled of how they're going to do the funeral. Right, right. Uh, and uh, I can't make it on the day they're going to do it. My other brother can't make it, so his two living brothers can't mm, right. even be there. And everybody's got to wear masks, and you can only have so many people. So who do you decide goes and who doesn't go? Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't want to get involved in that. Uh, my daughter, when she died, uh, she was cremated. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm, I just want you to give us some direction if you can, Scott. What about cremation? Is, is that biblically supported enough that people can do it and feel comfortable with it? Well, the one thing we, we, we try not to do is we, we try not to have arguments from silence. So the Bible doesn't say um, that cremation is, is, uh, is wrong to do. Okay. So you can't argue um, definitively that that's a problem. And what we do have is we do have um, all the examples that we have in the Bible, at least within the, the Jewish culture, is... Uh, we always have a, a burial that we see. Um, we don't we don't ever see them doing any type of cremation. Uh, so the precedent that would be set in the scripture is that you would bury. That's what we see. Uh, but does the Bible explicitly say thou shalt not cremate? It doesn't. Okay. Um, and um, so, so that makes me feel good. Yeah, so the, I'll be the, honest with you. I mean, if if the Bible doesn't, it doesn't say it doesn't prohibit. It, it. No, it doesn't prohibit. Then I'm I feel like. Then yep. it's a matter of you're talking to the Holy Spirit and what you're being told in your own heart. Yeah. 
Now there are there's rabbinic tradition, and I'll pass it to Billy to talk yeah. about that. So um, rabbinic tradition says that only those who were cursed were burned, um, and we know that one of the things that God got all upset with the uh, Jews for was sacrificing their children by passing them through the fire, quote unquote. Um, so it has a serious negative connotation within Judaism. But I will say that even in 4,000 years of, uh, of tradition and laying down all of these rules, it wasn't until 1986 that um, a formal statement was made saying that within Judaism, you shouldn't be cremated. And that was such a soft statement that they went ahead and said, but if you insist on being cremated, the rabbi can still come and perform mm. But he has to leave before the cremation happens. So even even in this, we're going to make this stand against cremation. They went, but we understand it's still going to happen. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So there there is there is some tradition that says you, you shouldn't do it because only people who are cursed are burned. Um, you know, taken outside of the camp, stoned, burned, that sort of thing. Um, but there, even within you know four thousand years of history, um, there's just no definitive statement there, and and it it happens. Um, Probably not as much because there is that negative connotation. Probably not as much within the Jewish community as within the Gentile community, but it's still pretty prevalent within the uh, Jewish community. Yeah, but as but as far as a, a, a direct prohibition, there isn't one there. Right. So, um, uh, yeah. And as a matter of fact, someone asked me. I was doing a, a teaching last week on a Wednesday night and had a Q and A time after, and someone asked me um, if there was. Um, and I'll go ahead and say it because if this person asks it, then there are probably other people who have this thought on their mind as well. They say, well, if someone is cremated, is that problematic for uh, the resurrection? Because you're supposed to, um, you know, your spirit is resurrected and rejoined with your, uh, with your body. This was the question. And so don't you have to have a body um, to be rejoined to? And wouldn't cremation prohibit something like that from happening? Um, and, um, you know, I get people's concern in that, but but um, you know, the Bible says that you know from from dust you are taken, from dust you are going to return. So if you're if you go back to dust, um, God can reassemble dust as well as reassemble ashes. Plus, that doesn't account for you know the, the three thousand people that were killed at the World Trade Center. Right. God has no problem bringing their ashes back together. If someone's killed in a house fire, God can bring their ashes back together. If someone's been in a grave since the fifteen hundreds, their body's already turned to dust. ash or dust. So God can bring it back together. So it really isn't it really isn't an argument, but uh, um, so, you know, God can do, and if someone's blown up in it with a bomb, God can right. reassemble those, um, those body parts from wherever they're scattered to. Um, but you know, and that, that's important to, to gather the body together if you can, but, but God is so far beyond our natural capabilities. So those questions, and, and if you were the one who asked that question or you've got that question in your mind, please don't be offended because I'm not trying to be offensive, but those questions to me almost immediately signal that the person who's asking that question has got a too small view of God. Um, God knitted this body together to begin with. <laughs> he is certainly capable. And, and by nothing. the way, yeah. I'm hoping I don't get exactly this body. This body's got some wear and tear on it. I'm looking for a new body. Thank you very much. Look, uh, I'm looking for a, a, would it a, be a body like Steve's maybe. Well, no, not, okay. well, not a Steve body. <laughs> yeah. I need more hair. I than haven't, that when I I get haven't there, called so. you Steve yet. <laughs> you yet. Do, do you know what? Steve, you know so. how big of a compliment you gave Steve this morning? Yeah, you looked at me and called me Steve. You gave him such a big compliment. That's true. Absolutely. Uh, Steve and I both would like to have that head of hair. That's all I'm saying. On the the question of Hanukkah, they finished up, and I should ask you to talk about this. Do you think there is anything we can learn and apply to our current political situation 
or is it a spiritual lesson exclusively when it comes to Hanukkah? Hmm. Ooh. Um, so I I chided Steve last week about how close he dates to the line of sedition. So I'm going to be careful this morning myself. Um, There is a, they found themselves beneath a tyrannical government and they choose to say, they chose to say there comes a point when enough is enough. Um, they, They chose to say there comes a point where what you are doing and what you are forcing us to do violates the will of God and we will serve God instead of man. Um, where Where is that point? Um, I don't know yet. I, I don't have an answer for that yet. But can I say that there is a room biblically for resistance should the government become evil and start trying to force us to do evil? Yeah. Should it be peaceful in the beginning? Absolutely. Uh, is there ever a, a is there ever a point where violence is acceptable? I don't know yet. Um, I think there are probably places in the world where that has been true. There obviously were places within Israel where that was absolutely true. Uh, we still have, at least at this point in this country, other modes for handling that sort of thing, and therefore violence should not be an option yet. Um, but yes, that, that absolutely bleeds from spiritual into the physical, no doubt about it. Yeah, and I think that we can take the, um, you know, um, the expression that. Uh, Peter made, he says, we have to obey God rather than man. So that, and that was kind of the Maccabees position. Right. So um, if, when the government does something that transgresses or steps over into our territory, and when I say our, I'm talking about into, like into a scriptural thing where they, where they say, well, you no longer can, can do X, Y, and Z when the Bible commands us to, mm-hmm. then we have to obey God rather than man. Um, and, um, and, you know, the, um, the government even trying to make them, um, you know, with going back to the Maccabee story, uh, most people don't know this, but but Christians were the original atheist. Uh, Jews were the original atheists. Christians and Jews were because one of the things the government did back in the day is they used to they used to bring into a village a bust of the emperor, and they would make everybody come out and and offer incense and bow down to this uh, bust because they were presenting the emperor as being a god, and so those who would not bow down to the image were Christians and Jews right. and during the Maccabean time. There were only Jews there were no Christians, but, and so they began to be known as atheist because they wouldn't recognize the godship of the emperor. And mm. so they were the original atheists, but it wasn't against the God of heaven. It was against making man a God. And our government is certainly trying to make gods out of men. And there's, and there is a resistance that we have to put forward to truly be a, a Maccabean generation. So, yeah, I think, yes, it can certainly be applied to what our government is trying to do. The government overreach must be pushed back, but it's pushed back not through disobedience to the government, but through obedience to God. Right. And those may converge and oppose each other, but our position is we're doing this in obedience to God, not in rebellion to you, but obedience to God. And that will certainly cause a divergence of our, our purposes yeah. for sure. I, I, I warned my wife um, – several weeks ago that the next 12 months are probably when I get arrested for the first time because I expect the lockdowns to grow worse and worse. And I'm sorry, I've already, I've already made the stand in my heart that not again, yeah. we, we know what this thing is now. Not again. Amen. Um, All right. We'll come back, finish it up in just a moment. And we'll uh, talk a little bit more politics as, as well. I'd like to talk to you a little bit about retirement and ask you, do you want to retire in the next five years? 
If you overlook or underestimate one little thing, it could totally derail your whole retirement plan. Keep that in mind. So all the information that you can get, you should be going out and getting so that you can make sure you don't make uh, a mistake. Uh, Learn how you can avoid that uh, in a free guide, the Ultimate Retirement Planning Checklist. It's from David Lucas Financial in Little Rock. This comprehensive 31-point checklist could be the single most important tool that could help ensure you've covered all your bases and you don't make any mistakes. To get your free retirement planning checklist, be one of the first 10 callers right now, 501-222-3315. 501-222-3315. This checklist is the result of decades of financial planning experience from working with thousands of families. To get your free secured retirement planning checklist, call 501-222-3315. Investment advisory services are offered through David Lucas Financial and Arkansas Registered Investment Advisor. All right, so come out with your friends tonight. Watch the movie. I I just uh, checked in with uh, Matt, and uh, there's three showings now. Well, seven... 710 and i believe 720 and uh if a lot of people show buy tickets and get ready to come tonight and we need to we'll do it a fourth and a fifth time there you go the most we've ever done is eight screens wow who is that for what movie was that wonderful life oh really really? yeah people love that movie i mean either that one or miracle on 34th street yep Yep. are the two big ones Mm -hmm. and white christmas is now over the last i would say five years uh, people really look forward Picking to seeing steam. that on the big screen because yep. seeing it on the small screen is cool, yeah. but th- that ending, the finale of that motion picture when everybody, all the women are in those red dresses yeah. there is just stunning yeah. in Technicolor. Yeah. That's all I can tell you. Okay, so uh, Dave, what do the Bible guys believe regarding what might happen to the U.S.-Israeli relationship under a Biden administration? Might the Trump policies continue since so much success has happened with the other Muslim nations and so many nations moving their embassies to Jerusalem? Well, I'll just look at it this way. I'm looking at one of the Senate candidates in Georgia, Mm. and he referred to Jesus as a poor peasant Palestine. Right. What? Yeah. (laughs) I I knew that would get scared. I held that for the end today. Yeah, this, thank you. You, did, you didn't that, know Jesus was Palestinian. I did not. Yeah, yeah. no. Yeah, I, did, I didn't know that either. But no. uh, yeah, he called been him, educated. He called recently, him a, a Palestinian. Yeah. Um, oh man. My personal opinion is no. The vast majority of what has been done will be rolled back. Um, much of that was done with executive orders, uh, and fortunately or unfortunately, um, executive orders can be created with the signing of a, of a document, and unfortunately they can be undone with the signing of a document. So uh, I expect to see a lot of that go away. Uh, there have been meetings over the last couple of weeks uh, amongst those um, nations that have signed on going, what are we going to do? Are we going to continue to support this? You've got several um, more individuals, uh, individual nations who are going to sign on to those accords who are now going, uh, we're going to wait and see what happens after January. Mm-hmm. So that whole process is, has stalled a little bit. Um, we're now seeing a call for new elections in Israel. Yeah. Um, so we, the, 
you, you think politics is bad over here. <laughs> politics in the Middle East are a mess, um, yeah. and particularly the way they do things. Uh, the um, do, do you think they'll, they'll take the embassy away? Do That's what that I was far? just going to say. It, I mean, we, that, that would be horrendous. a slap in the face. It really yeah, it would really be. Would be. Um, and maybe that is a step that has now gone far enough that it would be hard to undo. Yeah. Um, but you especially know. with all these other countries signing on, yeah, to, I know. to do things. Well, and you've them. now had a bunch of other countries move their embassies as well. Right. So yeah. you've you've kind of you know we we led that way. We were the first ones to say, the "Hey, we're going to pick up and move." Moving down. Here. Um, so it, it would it would be a real slap in the face for us to go, "Hey, we're not going to pick up and move back." Right. Uh, sorry that y'all all followed us down here, but we're going to move back. That that would be a significant slap in the face. So did, did, uh, who who is uh, Biden chosen for? Uh, to be the uh, um, ambassador? No, the um, what's Pompeo do? I'm sorry. No, Secretary. Secretary of State. Because I haven't I, seen. I, yet. I, I thought I had heard it was someone who was a very kind of like a pro-Iranian person. I, I don't, I don't know the. Uh, and why the wouldn't they be? Right. I'm just saying. Yeah. I mean, come on. I mean, but that that is the big threat. Yeah. Um, Biden is. He's already made two or three statements. He's uh, talked about returning to the uh, Iranian nuclear um, treaty which is a disaster for the U.S. Um, we know that he's already pledged some support for rebuilding funds in uh, Iran. So um, the fact that we have an administration, it appears we're going to have an administration that wants to funnel significant uh, amounts of money to a nation that wants, that their stated purpose is to wipe us off the map and Israel. is a bit concerning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, no, I, I think... I think internationally things will get very ugly. Um, the Knesset has already taken the first step. They've already, it takes four votes. They have to do four no-confidence votes uh, in order to dissolve the Knesset and therefore the government. And they did the first vote yesterday, or maybe it was the end of last week. I think so that first vote has already happened. Have you heard about some of these uh, The rabbis? Have some of the rabbis have kind of prophesied that uh, when the Knesset is dissolved that uh, Messiah returns? Messiah will come, yeah. yeah. Um, yes, they are... Um, there are many rabbis today who are uh, very much in that position that Messiah must be on the scene or must be uh, about to appear um, simply because of what's going on in the world. And the, you know, all of those things that we saw when uh, Yeshua came the first time, those, those prophecies and those traditions that, that he fulfilled um, much of that we don't see in Bible, much of the stuff that he did to fulfill mm-hmm. um to fulfill what was expected of him was tradition was not biblical. Uh, just like we saw that then they have a list of things they're waiting for right now. Yeah. And they're ticking those off every day. Yes, this has now been done. This has now been done. This has now been done. Uh, the, the nations are, uh, they see the uh, Hebrew roots movement as a fulfillment of scripture that the nations are coming to, to take hold of the seat seat. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're, they're looking around and going, Messiah must be right around the corner. It's time. Yeah. So um, just like we are on this side looking at what's happening to them and going Messiah must be, Messiah's return must, they're looking at us and going Messiah's uh, uh, showing up must be imminent. So, Guys, we're out of time. We are out of time. I hear the music. Yeah. Thank we'll you, start fastest so hour We'll get back week. together again on next Tuesday. Hopefully Steve will be able to join us, but that's up to Uncle Sugar, just so everybody knows. (laughs) And uh, Billy, we'll be looking forward to seeing you and to you as well, Scott, because I know you got some traveling coming up for the holidays. I do, So we'll have to make our decisions on which Tuesdays might be best of days. 
is possible, or maybe it's just going to be Billy and Steve days. Mm, there you go. We can do that. You can call well. one of them Scott. Yeah, there that's you go. right, and I will. I'll call Steve that. <laughs> Happy right. Hanukkah to you. Got to get break. Let's uh, take the break, and then I'll see you at 6 p.m. Six o'clock hour here on the Dave Ellswick Show, and I'm bringing Matt in today. Typically, he joins up with us on Friday, but I'm going to be out of uh, the state on Friday, so I wanted to have him on today. Plus, he uh, got a hold of me yesterday and said uh, there's some special things going on about uh, It's a Wonderful Life and the money that's raised from that mo- uh, that showing that movie. And Matt, I'll, I'll let you jump right on in and, and give us uh, what's going to happen. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, tonight, of course, we are showing It's a Wonderful Life. The tickets are only $5. Showtime is 7 p.m. And you can get your tickets at Riverdale10.com. Now, all the proceeds from the screening tonight will benefit Chief Robert Parsons. Uh, He had a house fire, and uh, it's a total loss. Uh, His house burned Sunday night. Uh, he is the chief of police in uh, Jetsonia, Arkansas, and he has done security work with the theaters uh, for many, many years. Uh, so all the proceeds from the screening tonight of It's a Wonderful Life will go to benefit um, Police Chief Robert Parsons. So, you know, please uh, come out and, and, and see, the, see the movie. Tickets are just $5. Uh, there's also a GoFundMe page uh, for Chief Robert Parsons if you want to go there and make a donation. Uh, Riverdale10.com for your tickets for um, the uh, showing tonight of It's a Wonderful Life, $5. And go to the Facebook page for Riverdale10, and you can see the link there to donate on the GoFundMe uh, for Chief Robert Parsons. But it's a house fire Sunday night, tragic, total loss. Uh, We're going to show It's a Wonderful Life in Searcy tonight. Uh, Tickets are also $5. All proceeds benefit Chief Robert Parsons. Those tickets are at CerseCinema.com. We're also going to show It's a Wonderful Life tonight in Batesville. Uh, Tickets are just $5. All proceeds benefit Chief Robert Parsons. And that website is OaksVIPCinema.com. So you can come to the movie tonight in Batesville, in Searcy, or in Little Rock to benefit Chief Robert Parsons. Yeah, it's something to keep in mind uh, that tonight at Riverdale 10, uh, you can get tickets for the 7 o'clock, a 7.10, or I believe a 7.20 showing of It's a Wonderful Life because we've had so many people now who want to come out and see this great motion picture. I mean, to me, this is the consummate picture for the holiday season. I love It's a Wonderful Life. I like Miracle on 34th Street. I like White Christmas. And uh, one other one that I like that, uh, you know, Mary Steenburgen still won't answer my plea to come out and see the motion picture and talk about the making of it is One Magic Christmas, uh, which was a, a remake 
basically of it's a wonderful life and was well done but um i'm too conservative for her evidently so she won't come out to the movie and and talk about it with that said though make sure that you show up tonight uh we're we're selling the third theater pretty well it could be that by this afternoon and you can find out by going to riverdale10.com and uh, look at uh future showings and it's a wonderful life shows up and you come down to the bottom of it scroll down and you'll see at what time that it's showing it's really a tribute to our our uh our viewers uh matt that they're coming out in droves to see this movie again hey we want plenty of social distancing we want plenty of seats available uh, it's a Wonderful Life, Frank Capra directs, 1946, rated G, black and white, the original. You can't miss it. you got to see it on the big screen. And in addition to that, uh, tonight's show is to benefit a good cause. Absolutely. So, yes, please, please come out tonight and, and watch the movie and uh, go to Riverdale10.com to get your tickets or CerseCinema.com in Searcy or OaksVIPCinema.com in Batesville. All three screenings to benefit um, – Chief Robert Parsons, and of course we want to do it in Searcy and Baithful because he is well known in that area, uh, having been in law enforcement there his entire life. So uh, please come out and see us tonight, Riverdale10.com. Uh, check out that movie. It's a good time. It's just $5. goes to a good cause. Uh, or you can go to the Facebook page for Riverdale10 and get the information on the GoFundMe account to help Chief Robert Parsons. Uh, with the uh, house fire, which was a total loss. That happened Sunday. Wow, so. and, and, and if you've ever been through a fire, here's what I'll tell you. Things don't move fast enough. I mean, when you're without a home and you're waiting on insurance and you're waiting on cleanup and all of that, it takes time and it takes a toll emotionally and mentally on you. Yes, and, you know, add to that COVID and everything else that's going on yes. and, you know, total loss. I mean, it's not just your home. I mean, you've also lost your furniture. You've lost all your clothes, mm-hmm. obviously a lot of your memories. So, um, you know, devastating. No yep. doubt about it. And definitely no about for that. It. Well, you're to be commended, Matt, for getting involved and and pushing this forward and then joining us today to talk about it. I appreciate it. Go to Riverdale 10 dot com and get tickets for tonight for you and your family or you and your friends or significant other that you're going out with or whatever uh, also if uh, as you're listening right now you're heading up to Cersei, uh get on uh, get on your phone uh, pull off the road before you do this and go to uh you know the cersecinema.com and and take care of that and uh up in batesville as well so if you're going home from work just know First showing is going to be at 7 o'clock. We're on just a little bit after 6 right now. So you've got time to make it there and see this great, great movie. And five bucks, man, you can't beat it. That's a good deal as far as cost. And get yourself some popcorn and soda or or, or an adult beverage if you're a place where they sell adult beverages as well. And enjoy yourself tonight. Really getting into Christmas spirit. I, I don't think you watch that movie and not get into the Christmas spirit as far as that goes on. All right, Matt, thanks again for being on today here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Thank you. Talk to you later. All right, Matt Smith, who uh, owns Riverdale 10, owns Hot Springs Cinema, VIP Cinema, Cabot VIP Cinema, uh, Searcy VIP Cinema, Batesville, The Oaks 
VIP cinema. He owns all of those theaters, and at a majority of those uh, ones, not uh, not in Cabot, not in Hot Springs, but the other ones I mentioned, they'll be showing It's a Wonderful Life tonight as well. Hey, look, if you're in Cabot, you're close enough that you can get your ticket and take a, a quick trip down to, to Riverdale 10. Come see the movie tonight. Going to be a lot of other people there. Social distancing is always going to be followed. People will be wearing their masks out in the lobby, just so you know. You don't have to worry about any of that. And always, and I do this anyway, even without COVID-19, I typically carry a little bottle of hand sanitizer with me around so that I can, if somebody comes up and, and fist bumps me or something like that, I always put that on after I'm done. That's why I haven't had the flu really bad in the last few years. Plus, I get a flu shot every year, just so you'll know. I'm a, I'm a believer in science when it comes to the shots, as far as that's concerned. And now this year, we have no statistics on flu for the winter. That's kind of interesting, Zero. isn't it? Because I guess they're not going to try to <laughs> they're not going to try to separate the two. Or maybe uh, because although some of the flu symptoms are identical to the COVID nineteen. Of course, of course. I kind of wonder that it has something to do with the fact that if you present yourself at all at a hospital or any other medical facility, you're just going to assume and have anything close to it, you're COVID related. Period. Yeah, and they don't look at anything else. Do it, the people who come in and they they report COVID nineteen, do the hospitals get money for that? Oh, absolutely. If okay, you're in the so hospital and you're, co- yeah, they mark you as COVID, they're 20%. They're getting paid 20% more yeah. on uh, government reimbursements and things of that sort. Yep, yep, yep. The whole thing, wow, Dave, goes, it stinks. That goes along with uh, Adam and uh, openthebooks.com, huh? Absolutely. It's just horrifying. <laughs> and when we think about what's getting I'm ready just gonna to happen. I'm just going to tell you, down the road, mm. we're gonna, they're, they're going to have time to go back and look. And how much money was spent, and how much money was spent that wasn't necessary, and we're all going to shake our heads and go, you got to be kidding me. And understand, every penny is coming out of your pocket. Yep. Oh, it's yeah. It's taxpayer money. That's it. Or yeah. that, free, that free money tree back there. Yeah, you know, the money tree in the back of the With all the, the patriots <laughs> hanging off of it, yeah. <laughs> I always, that's that was my father's answer to me whenever I, I said, Dad, I need a new pair of cleats, and he says, hey, Let's go look at the money tree in the backyard and see, <laughs> Let's see what if we, we got the money that we need to be able to buy new cleats for baseball season this year, which typically was if your feet were fitting in the shoes and they were in good stead, uh, there's typically not enough money on the money tree. That's just the way it works. Yeah, here you go. Um, Treasury Inspector General for the Tax Administration says – that we sent $34 million worth of COVID relief checks to U.S. citizens living abroad. Like, how is that supposed to make a difference here? Here? Yeah. Well, the, the president is signing legislation or executive order today saying that all Americans will be inoculated that want to be inoculated before we offer any inoculation for foreign As long as he's in charge. Yeah, as long as they can. All right. Well, and the thing about the vaccinations, I know the airlines are pushing for this and other governments in certain areas. California, you need to carry a card in your billfold 
got to carry your papers yeah. to show that it's okay for you to be out in public. Yeah. I'm sorry. I will not comply. Yeah, I'm not going to carry not, paper saying, uh-uh. 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 I'm, I'm COVID free. You, know, you said it. You said it earlier today. If we were asked to do these things, it's one thing. But my government is not going to mandate this. I agree. I with will that. not comply. I don't think they're going to mandate you have to have a shot. I just don't. I well, don't see but that they're going to do it indirectly by saying, you know, you can't go in a retail store, you can't go to work, you can't get on a plane, you yeah, can't get on a bus, as tough as can't they get can a cab unless you have your little paper with you. It's garbage. Yeah, we need to rise up. All right. 16 minutes after 8, well, after 6, kind of, I record this at 8 o'clock, just so you'll know. So and confusing. It airs at 6. <laughs> I'm, I don't want to confuse people, but I just did, and I apologize for that. <laughs> Bottom line is, we'll be right back after this break here on the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, let's move on. And uh, again, come on out and see It's a Wonderful Life. You got uh, a little bit of time before the first showing at Riverdale 10, which is at 7 o'clock, 7, 7, 10, 7, 20. That's uh, the showing of the movie this uh, evening. I think we may get one more, but you'll have to check the website, Riverdale10.com. And the link's on your Facebook page. Yeah. Dave Ellswick Show on Facebook. You get involved in there, you're going to see a lot of the articles that I talk about and uh, uh, see a lot of video and things of that nature just by being part of the Dave Ellswick Show, uh, dot com. We were talking with the Bible guys this morning, and I wanted to talk to you about this uh, as, as well, Elizabeth, and that is uh, what happens if, in fact— you know, Biden is uh, put in as the president of the United States by, you know, Electoral College, et cetera, Congress, and takes the oath of office. What's going to happen with a lot of the things that the president has done through executive order? Now, things that a lot of things are going to change that he did executive order. Biden's going to change them back to what they were during the Obama administration. So when the Democrats lose in the next presidential election, the same thing is going to happen again. It's we're, we're a nation divided right now. Need to understand nation divided. But what do you think about, you know, it was the president who moved the uh, embassy mm-hmm. to Jerusalem. Yep. Now, we were talking about this with the Bible amongst ourselves on the Bible guys, and one of the things that came up with that, and, and it was Billy who brought it up, and I think that he's correct in this assessment. I think that is going to stay the way it is as far as the embassy being in uh, Jerusalem, because a lot of the things they said would happen if we moved there, you know. The Middle East was going to explode oh, yeah. in violence. Never, never occurred. In fact, more Middle Eastern nations now have uh, relationships with Israel than ever before. Uh, the president did what did what uh, Jimmy Carter tried to do and couldn't get it done uh, with you know Bush and couldn't get it done with Obama and couldn't get it done. This president got it done because he went he's he's not your typical politician so he went about it 
in a different way. So with that in mind, uh, do you see any change as far as the, you think that the, the, they'll try to move the embassy back to Tel Aviv? It's an interesting question. I think it's going to be a big lift for them to do that. Um, I, I honestly think a lot of politicians who have voted that say that that's where it should be, but then wouldn't vote to move it. Yeah. That they'll not have the fear of leaving it where it's at. I agree with that. I, you know, I think you're right about executive orders, and it seems as though we've devolved to using that as the way to get legislation or certain you know, well, issues taken care of. Well, when you can't get legislation through, you just go ahead and cram it through. Well, yeah, and it's for sure that we're going to end up in another gridlock under these circumstances that you're laying out, and I feel that – I don't know. I just <laughs> – I think it's going to degenerate. I do think, and it has been said, that uh, Biden says he's going to sign a paper the first day he's in office that basically overturns every single executive order that Trump has made. Um, as long as we're going to be just signing a paper back and forth, it is going to be a seesaw mm-hmm. back and forth. But as far as the Jerusalem, I, I think that's going to be a heavy lift. I think there's going to be enough national and international uh, headwinds on that. I'm not going to say they can't do it because I'm actually disturbed to think that they're probably going to be able to pull anything off that they want to. If they can steal our elections the way they're doing and get away with it, uh, all bets are off. I mean, I really honestly feel that way. All right, so we got uh, we got another situation, and I don't know how it's going to be rectified, and that is uh, the uh, Iranian deal that the president <laughs> signed into. They already got all you our know, money. <laughs> what what are they going to do now? What will Biden do uh, when we basically pulled ourselves out of that? Uh, that uh, uh, it's not a treaty. That's the no. key for everybody to understand. It is not a treaty. So, so it doesn't have to be. So the Senate will not yeah. be involved in this. Yeah. yeah. They I, weren't involved in it in the first place. I think that, you know, Biden is totally owned by China and Iran. And I think they're going to do what they wish with him. And I think he's going to comply. So. Again, all bets are off. If this man puts himself in the position of being president of our United States, we're going to really suffer. Well, it's going to be interesting, you know, because look, as I've watched this and I'm seeing some of the people from the Obama administration now being considered for these positions in the Biden administration, the same old crew. it's Obama, uh, Obama 3.0. Yep. And we knew this. We knew this. We knew this was what it's going to be. Again, you you quoted someone earlier, well, where are the American people? I see a lot of people on Twitter. I see a lot of people on Facebook just keyboarding themselves to death, but I don't see them in the streets. I don't see them calling their lawmakers. I don't see them, you know, blocking the hallways. I keep thinking about when uh, Scott Walker ran into all those buzz saws up in Wisconsin, yeah. and they filled the halls of the state capitol for how many days, and they got some action. Mm-hmm. We the people better wake up. It's almost too late now. Yeah, I'm. Oh, I, I've been preaching that for a long time. Yeah, you know, you can't sit on your laurels. Somebody else will do and it, and <laughs> somebody else will take care of it because. Or I voted. I did know. that. I yeah, voted. It, I did it's my more thing. More than just no, voting. That's not it. That's only the beginning. You got to stand up for principle. I've said it so many times recently. This government was made by the people for the people. We the people. That's all of us must be involved 
We don't get to sit at home and say, okay, I voted for, you know, my state rep. I sent him to Little Rock. That's okay. I'm done. No, 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 no. We must hold these people accountable and get rid of the people who want to take us all down and sell us out to China and Russia and all this corruption. All right. We got to get a break in. Let's do that. Then we'll come back and uh, we'll continue on here on the Dave Ellswick Show. 101.1 FM, The Answer. Let's continue here on the uh, Dave Ellswick Show. You've been brought up on what's going on nationally now. And uh, don't forget, you just got a few minutes to get to the movie theaters to see It's a Wonderful Life on the big screen. A lot of you have seen it on television but never seen it on the big screen. Uh, Believe me, there's a lot more that you pick up in a movie on the big screen than you do on even a 65-inch television you might have at your house. I only bring up 65 inches because that's what my TV is. So that uh, I have mine because I just love watching football, baseball, and basketball. So I'm a year-round sports fan. What can I tell you? Elizabeth is here. Elizabeth uh, James Ballou is going to be with us now. Uh, he's with Toy Trooper Toy down there in the Bryant area. James, it's go- it's doing good. We wanted to get you on one more time because Thursday is going to be the big day. Thursday's the day this year, Dave. It's a it's a COVID year, but you know what? We're going to get together Thursday, and we're going to have the one-day drive, and we're going to take care of these kids the best we can this year. We Just because of COVID, we still got to rock and roll, brother. All right, so here's the key about all of this. Uh, you can get involved giving your money. They don't even have to come to the site this year, do they? No, they don't. Uh, you know, we're... we're we're set up on Facebook, and for the first time in our 23 years, uh, Facebook is supposed to authorize the button, and we're still waiting on that authorization. Oh, wow. And, and, and uh, the way we're dealing with that, Dave, because it's out of our hands, and it's been out of our hands since we talked with you last Thursday or Friday right. morning, and um, we're sending them notes, and we're saying, you know, letting them know what's going on, but it's totally out of our hands. I honestly, I, I had no idea it took this long to get them to authorize something like that. But they're checking us out, and I, you know what? On the other side of the coin, that's a good thing. You know, they're they're making sure we are who we say we are, and and uh, I would hope those wheels would turn a little bit quicker. But here's what we've offered to do: if you can't make it by Thursday and drop off that donation, we've offered to come to your office if you have an office pool, or come by and pick it up. And now, hopefully, that button's going to be activated and working just any moment now. We thought it would be yesterday. We thought it would be Friday after they downloaded all their technical stuff and Thursday evening. Then then they we felt like, okay, it'll be over the weekend. Then it'll be yesterday. But we're still working on that diligently, trying to get it up and going. But we will do whatever we have to do. We're, we're in a year that's uh, unlike any other, and you know that, Dave, normally we're there for the entire weekend through Sunday, uh, but because of the times we're in, we can't do that this year. So we're gonna we're gonna be there Thursday morning, starting at six a.m., and we're gonna stay there until as long as we need to stay that day. We're doing some different broadcast, and uh, you running uh, your broadcast for us, and uh, some other stations, and we're just gonna do it's it's just one of those 
we do what we have to do years if that makes any sense yeah it makes sense uh, all uh, you know makes all the sense in the world what i will do as soon as you let me know that that button is activated i will have a 30 second little spot that can be played while i'm uh, gone because i'll be out of out of state on thursday and then during my show i'll mention it tomorrow again on the show uh, and tell people to get involved in this because we do want to make sure that all these children that these families from c john have been given the you you've been given the okay that you can deal with them because they've been vetted uh that they have they have a christmas coming up here and uh well as of today, we're, we're only, uh, what, uh, 16 or 17 days away? 17 days, I think, right. Yeah, we're getting close. I mean, we're getting close, and it's just, um, you know, everybody just hang in there with us. And, and you know, Dave, even if if the button's not activated and they're feeling it in their hearts this morning, send us a message on the Facebook page. The Facebook page is up and running just fine. Uh, send us a message. We'll do what we have to do. We'll get with you. We'll come to the office. We'll give you uh, the means to get to us uh, because this is uh, one of those years. Unfortunately, it's a year we cannot accept uh, actual toy donations. That's it's right. a monetary year. But the good news is this, Dave. We've got a stream set up with Walmart now to where instead of coming to us on the day that is, uh, they'll come to us. We'll give them the clearance to go. And then Walmart let them go in and pick out their toys for their kids. So we're still accomplishing what we normally do. It's just a little bit different distribution day. That's all. Yeah, that's that, and that's a fact. Uh, uh, let me just ask Elizabeth: Do we have their uh, Facebook page up on our Facebook page? Absolutely. All right, so you can click if if you just want to type get get on the Dave Ellswick Show uh, Facebook page. You'll find the link uh, for. Uh, toy troopers and you can work out your uh, financial aid to those folks uh does it mean that when we come up on thursday james that if people still want to come by that corner at the walmart in bryant that you guys will be there and take money from them yes absolutely we'll still be set up in the rv like we normally are like you normally broadcast from all that's going to be exactly the way of as usual and we'll be there. Of course, Tammy and Brand will be there. We'll be outside. If you want to drive by, roll the window down, stick your hand out, we'll be standing right there waiting on you. If for some reason you don't see, I mean, you're going to see us, but just toot, and we'll be, you know, just toot that horn. We'll be right there. Yeah, you got to make that clear. To do, whatever to has to happen, we'll be there. Yeah, you want to make sure they understand about the tooting part. <laughs> yeah, that was that was coming out, brother. I thought okay, you better clear that up. <laughs> of course, right. I, if that's what it takes to get our attention, we're all in, brother. I got, it's okay. <laughs> I, I gotta mention that uh, something that I do every year. I'll do it again this year. I ask that my listeners give twenty five dollars uh, to yep. Toy Troopers, and it's amazing how many of you respond to that. So know that the call is out again. Uh, for $25 to help toy troopers. And this year, you don't have to go even worry about buying toys. Just come by and give your money right there at the Walmart uh, in uh, in Bryant on Thursday. What time in the morning are you going to start all the festivities? 6 a.m. Thursday morning. All right. And you're going to go how late? Uh, 
it's kind of an open-ended window. We're, we plan on staying there until everybody gets off work and has an opportunity to come by. So I, I'm going to say 6 o'clock probably or, or long, or until folks stop coming by. There you go. Um, that's the best way to do know. it. And just, that's, that's what we'll do. And yeah. just, and just I mean, know that if you want, you can go on the Facebook page of the Dave Ellswick Show and we'll we'll redirect you. Just click on the link and it'll redirect you to Toy Trooper, hopefully. Uh, all you'll have to do is go to the Facebook page and push a button. It just hasn't been activated yet. If they get it activated uh, uh, soon enough, I'm going to let you know for sure. And that's an easy way to give that 25 bucks. It's just like, bang, done. Right. And, you know, uh, of course, uh, my doctor told me I could use that old brain injury excuse all as I want to today, but I didn't realize, you know, I had no idea that it took all this to get a button up and going, but. You know, like I got to At least you know that that we've been vetted and and they've done their job and they know that everything we say we do, we do. So, and, and after twenty three years, most folks know us well enough to know that your dollars are not going to administrative fees no. and paying somebody. They're not. Your dollars are going from our hands to the family's hands. You right. know, and You're working just with a C. Conduit, John Taylor, right, sir. You're just a conduit. That's it. That's you know, it. You just make it easy to give, and that's that's crucial because people don't want to have something complex. This is pretty doggone easy as far as as uh, that's uh, uh, concerned. So uh, exactly, you know, they do a good job, uh, Elizabeth, in uh, in in Bryant. How many how many kids do you think go to twenty three years now, uh, James? Have you guys impacted? with this program oh over uh, over the 23 years i mean easily over thirty thousand. Yeah. Uh, i mean we do over a thousand a year you know we we start and you know we help the boys and girls and club and we help all the, the the kids down here as far as we can reach out and you know we've tried to help hospitals when we can and uh children's and the slim memorial and the, just you know we go as far as we can until we run out Okay, so and, uh, I mean, C. John delivers the names to you, correct? That's correct. C. John, they everybody registers at C. John. They vet them. They uh, C. John actually provides the Christmas Day meal, and then when you go to C. John's after you've registered and get your uh, basket, your Christmas basket, we call it, then they're going to give you our location and where to go and what time to come by, and we'll be prepared for you when you get there to get your toys for your kids. Okay, now you have a list as well, correct? Yeah, absolutely. All right. We do, and uh, this is one of those years, and I can't stress this big enough, that you have to go through the C. John program because uh, you know this, Dave, as well as I do. Normally, when we're able to collect toys and we have our distribution system set up and we're personally handling it and you didn't make it to C. John, uh, then we try after, you know, we're obligated and we're committed to, to to serve the C. John families first because that's what we've committed to do. And then normally after that, you know, certainly if we have toys, we're going to make sure that anyone that we can help will help this year because of the type year it is and how we're having to do it with the stream with Walmart. You have to be on that C. John list. Makes sense. Uh, uh, I mean, it's just one of those years. We don't have a lot of flexibility. All right. 
By the way, I hadn't had I didn't ask the last week, but how's Rick doing? I hadn't heard about him in the last few uh, uh, months. He, he's actually doing well. He um, he had a little uh, uh, heart issue, I think, but it was one of those things that turned out so much better than than you ever think. And it was an overnight stay and back home. And uh, but he's doing well, and I think Miss Lisa is uh, getting herself prepared for the the fun years of retirement and uh, i think they have a lot of travel on their mind and i think that's great i tell folks all the time because you know what i do that we don't work our whole life to misery we work to get to enjoy life and retirement and you know whitney moved out to uh, montgomery i think it is or somewhere out in the alabama area but get her doctor and and so they they travel out there to see her quite often but he's doing well he's doing real well so how close is uh, your son now, Brent? How close is he to graduation, or has he graduated? He's graduated. He wow. graduated a couple of years ago, It goes actually. so fast. It does. It does. And, you know, he's doing well. Just bought his first home last year, so he's Holy really excited cow. about that. Oh, I'm happy and, and it, happy. Yeah, he's, he's – uh, his little um, his little self is the reason this – one of the reasons, the big reason why this – 23 years later you and i are talking about toy troopers yeah we now look we're, we're we've got about three minutes left real two minutes left real closely re, real quickly tell people the story about why toy trooper started so one evening uh brant is five years old four or five years old he's he's um Came home from school. He has the little note in the bag that Bryant's elementary school, that class, trying to help a family. And, uh, you know, we knew that Brant had some new toys that he had recently got in his room. And we said, hey, Brant, run in there. You pick out a toy, and we're going to help help another little child. And, and so he'll have a Christmas toy for under the tree. So he said, okay. And he goes back to his room, and he comes back out, and he brings us a broken Happy Meal toy. <laughs> and, I can remember this. Go ahead. Timmy looked at me, and I looked at Timmy. I said, "Oh, girl, we got to do something about this." <laughs> <laughs> so, the next day, we sent a note up to the teacher that we wanted to teach him and any other child that needed to learn. You know, the gift of giving is much greater than the gift of receiving. You know, the joy of receiving. And so that's how it all started. So we picked a family that year, and that class got involved, and we named that class Toy Troopers. And after that year, then we started setting up this this toy drive. And then we started taking Brant to the toy drive to see. We'd send him in Walmart, get a toy, put it in the box. And, uh, you know, uh, his little buddies started, their parents would bring them. And every year it grew and it grew and it grew. And now all those boys, including Brant, are writing their checks at donation time and giving it back to the toy program and buying more toys. So it's definitely been a life lesson uh, for him and, and, and a lot of people, and not just kids. I mean, you, you've been there, Dave. You've seen it. I've seen grown adults just change their entire look in life when they really get involved and see how things are going. But because of that little broken Happy Meal toy, we now have, um, I, I consider, the largest toy drive in Saline County. All right. Finishing up with you real quickly here. 6 a.m. Thursday morning, Walmart in uh, there in, uh, in Bryant, or hopefully the bucket button to be working and it's just on your website. 
and we'll keep everybody appraised of that. James, thanks for everything you do for this. You're the, you should get the, the Medal of Freedom Award, personally, I oh, think. Oh, brother, it's nothing. Hey, listen, it's a pleasure and honor for me to get to do it. I'm just a vessel, bub. All right. We'll let you go. Thanks so much, James. I'll talk to you Thank later. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate everything you and your listeners do. God bless all you right. all. Bye-bye now. All right. Get a break, then we'll come back finish it up for today. All right. Back for the final segment here of the Dave Ellswick Show. An unidentified St. Anthony, Minnesota resident has received an anonymous letter on uh, yesterday, on Monday, chastising them for their Christmas light display. The you know the social warriors are out there. Yeah, you know they they're just doing their thing. We can't just ignore something we don't like. You have to be completely removed from ever existing. The idea of here's what was this. This is what was in. The letter. The idea of twinkling colorful lights are a reminder of diversions that continue to run through our society, a reminder of systemic biases against our neighbors who don't celebrate Christmas (laughs) or who can't afford to put up lights of their own. The letter shared by Crime Watch Minneapolis reads We uh, must do work of educating ourselves about the harmful impact. An outward-facing display like you you can have. Uh, the letter then challenges the resident to, quote, respect the dignity of all people. How about we start off by respecting the dignity of this person, but that's not the case. Uh, respecting the dignity of all people while striving to learn from differences, ideas, and opinions of our neighbors. We must come together collectively and challenge these institutional uh, inequities. Uh, The letter concludes, St. Anthony is a community welcoming of all people, and we must demand better for ourselves. The letter has received significant pushback, can you believe that, on uh, social media, with former Baltimore Ravens quarterback Derek Anderson replying, Saw this coming a long time ago. If I can't have it, nobody can. Mm -hmm. Or if they have it, we all deserve it. And that's not life. Another user pointed out the irony that the letter writer is doing exactly what they accused the uh, homeowner of doing, (laughs) not being accepting of others. I would redouble my lights, they added, echoing similar calls from other uh, Twitter uh, users. So just keep that in mind. Look, I look, when I drive down the street in my subdivision, there's maybe every three houses has something, you know, an inflatable character or some lights on their own. On my house, there's a reef that's lit up at night. And then I got one of those uh, balls that rotates and it looks like it's snowing on the front uh, of my house. And I do that one to enjoy the holiday myself. That's right. And two, hopefully bring a little bit of joy into the lives of others who are seeing, you know, just bad things happening all in society and and uh, can relax just a little bit by, by seeing that. So the letter comes with just over two weeks to go before the Christmas holiday. There's Grinches everywhere, I tell you. They are everywhere you know you know you're a mean one 
Mr. Grinch, I just got to tell you, those those people, these cancel culture idiots that are out there, and if you do it, I'm sorry. I, can, I don't have a better word for you. I got worse words, but I can't say them on the radio. You know, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. How's that? To, to say that other people shouldn't uh, be able to enjoy the holiday because maybe you can't. And we just talked about an organization that is going out of their ways to bring, to Christmas, bring Christmas kids. Yeah. Now tell me which side of this discussion is the side that is really, uh, you know, for faith adhering people, for people that want to live a good life, for people who believe in the fundamentals of our country. This is not it. No, this is not it. It it is definitely not it. I mean, you know, where's the backlash against these people? They're telling us that we can't have our life and our virtues and our, uh, you know, traditions and things that mean something to them. Who are where is the other side pushing back on these people? Where are they? Uh, By the way, David Ray just texted me. I texted yesterday because we were talking about the hate crimes legislation and red flag legislation. And he says, count me in as a no on both of them. That's what I understood. Yeah, (laughs) that's where he's at. And 12 more uncounted ballots were found in an ultra-tight house race in New York. New York State Supreme Court Justice Scott DeConte said Monday that officials have discovered additional uncounted ballots amid an ongoing legal dispute related to the outcome of the race in New York's 22nd Congressional District. The person who won could could turn the whole election. Let me predict those will be Democrat votes. All right. We'll see you all tomorrow, 6 a.m. Elizabeth, thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Tomorrow, uh, you know, Congressman Hill and uh, the car guys will be with us on the Dave Ellswick Show. Walking in the winter wonderland. Winter wonder, winter wonderland. Winter, winter wonder, wonderland.